Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I am your host, Francie, and today I am a little bit more bundled up because the seasons are changing. Instead of an iced coffee, I am indulging in a hot coffee to fuel me up and trying to embrace the seasonal change. And it's not that hard when you consider how the leaves will change colors, how excited neighbors get about decorating decorating their porches and more, and Speaking of embracing change and fueling up with a hot coffee, I want to talk about a bit of change that EV drivers are going to be seeing on the public network in terms of how they're fueling up. And of course, I'm just using that as a turn of phrase. EV drivers don't fuel up, they charge up. But today I want to talk about how they will be paying for pricing, how EV drivers will be paying for for pricing specifically on the EVgo network in a lot of states. And maybe not Paying for pricing is exactly what I'm trying to say there. I'm not talking about your debit cards or your credit cards with your awesome rewards points or even the membership pricing plan that you may be on with certain networks, but instead how EV drivers are going to be charged for the energy that they consume on public charging networks. So the history of charging rates has really gone under a lot of change, especially with the introduction of new sources of energy demand, and that is electric vehicle charging. So utilities have had to adapt in a lot of ways to the new demand from EV drivers and public charging networks to provide reliable solutions to charging EVs with the grids that we have in place. And there's a lot of questions on what is the right way to do this. There has been different ways from time of use to flat race rates to per kilowatt hour pricing and per minute pricing. And that's what we've seen a lot of on the EV charging networks. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So per minute pricing in the EV charging industry emerged as a way to charge for the use of charging infrastructure, similar to how telecommunications companies uh, would charge for network usage. So charging station operators began to use per minute rates for EV owners. And that was kind of just the way that things were, unless it was 
free to the driver from like Tesla or with maybe EA or EVgo Unlimited charging programs. But in general, someone's been paying for this electricity. And from the beginning, it's more been per minute rates. And when we think about per minute rates, we start to wonder, well, I'm paying for the time that I'm sitting there. But what I'm really sitting there doing is getting energy. Why am I not paying for the energy that I'm consuming rather than the time I sit there because I don't really have a choice of how long it's gonna take me to charge up my EV if I show up at a charger that is slower and it's maybe my only option, or I buy an EV and it can only take a certain amount of energy. Shouldn't I be charged by the energy that I'm consuming? A lot of folks do argue that. And that is where this news that I'm going to cover today comes in. So you may or may not have seen this news from EVgo, where specifically EVgo has rolled out kilowatt hour pricing uh, across the nation at all of the states in which they can do this. And this, in other words, mean it means in states where this is legal. In fact, this is not legal in every state in the U.S. to charge per kilowatt hour pricing. So I'm going to pull up um, this map from EVgo, actually, that shows all the states in which they have expanded this pricing structure. So if you're tuning in on YouTube, you can see it. EVgo has a lot of these states that are now blue with this electric lightning symbol symbolizing the kilowatt hour pricing plans. And we see each coast, the east and the west coasts, coasts are covered in kilowatt hour pricing plans. There is a strong belt of kilowatt hour pricing across the middle of the United States. And then we have you know, Minnesota and Texas sprinkled in there as well. So we're seeing now an approach from EVgo with a consistent, almost across the network pricing plan of kilowatt hour pricing. I think this is a great move. The more consistency we can see across the networks, the better. Um, and I know EVgo has attempted this pricing offer in other states, but now they're doing it everywhere where possible. So it's pretty interesting. Um, let me know if this has changed in your state, if you're seeing your state on here and um, this is news to you, or if you just had the experience of switching over from being charged per minute to now per kilowatt and what that really per kilowatt hour and what that um, does to your charging experience. I would love to know in the comments below. And to be specific, I looked back because EVgo, this, like I said, this isn't their first time with this kilowatt hour pricing. They've had it um, back in other states. And in, in February of this year, it was noted in one press release that they had it in 20 states, but now it's over 30. And you can look at the list on the EVgo website. With this change, EVgo in these states that you saw there, you know, there's a good few states. I'm not sure exactly how many, but it's gone to kilowatt hour pricing, like I said, but they also have time of use pricing that days. So even though you're being charged by the energy that you're consuming, you might be charged higher or lower depending on when you're charging. This really is to incentivize folks to charge in the early hours and the off-peak hours, which is any sort of happy hour incentive that we've seen across uh, you know, the economy and economics in general. So this is not new, but you can expect that you will be charged for the energy that you're consuming, not the time you spend there. Now, EVgo is one of the largest public fast charging networks in the US, um, they mostly do fast charging, 350 kilowatt chargers, and um, they have really focused on convenience locations where people live, work, and play. And for the most part, if you're getting fast charging, you're probably not gonna be there a while as long as the charger and the car are doing what they're supposed to do to get you that power. So per minute pricing, if you're getting a fast charge, may not really have affected you that much, but if you have a slower charger and or a, a vehicle that can take only, you know, maybe 55 kilowatts um, of charging at a time, a peak, then you might be sitting at these chargers longer and then be paying for that time that you're kind of 
forced to be there or if the charger can only, even if it might, you know, it might supposed to give you more energy at a time is only giving you lower kilowatts than you were expecting, then you might be sitting there at a long time too. So again, this fairness aspect comes in that you're paying for the energy that you get with the kilowatt hour pricing. So EVgo sets most of their prices, uh, except for in the instance when they are selling their equipment, like in their extend program partnership, like they have with Pilot Flying J and GM. So I'll go into that later. But for the most part, EVgo owns, operates, and maintains their stations, which means they set the pricing. And there's a lot to consider. First off, you know, you have to consider what kind of rates you can set, whether it's per kilowatt hour or per minute. But also EVgo has gone into a bit of detail of what the costs to consider are, especially when they're determining their pricing. So they broke it down in kind of a helpful way here on a blog about the cost components for DC fast charging for the EVgo network. And there's equipment costs, of course, you can just imagine how expensive they are. You know, you have multiple chargers at one station. Um, there is not only the uh, charging equipment, of course, but also the software and the other uh, hardware and electronics that go into making that a functional station. You have the developmental costs, which include designing the sites, surveying the sites, all the engineering, utility reviews, project management, and more. And one thing, these are financial costs, of course, that EVgo is considering here, but one cost to setting up and making sites go live, EV charging sites go live, is the time cost. So EVgo or any charge point provider can really have a well-oiled machine that can dig it up, lay the lines, put in the concrete, put in the chargers, and get it like this close to going live, but maybe they have to wait for the utility. And the utilities could be on their own schedule or they could be waiting for a permit and they may, that might be on its own schedule. So there are a lot of time factors that weigh in here too, where you could have a station up and running, but you're working with these other counterparts to make it happen and they're on their own timeline. So that's just something I wanted to throw out here, especially because we're considering this dynamic between utilities and charge point providers. And then finally, of course, operation costs. So EVgo does in install operate and maintain these chargers. And at the top of the list, no surprise, is electricity. And EVgo has you know, stated that this is the most expensive part of DC fast charging is electricity. And there's a lot to consider here that you know would make electricity be so expensive. And it has to be considered. It's only fair as well that you know, we consider what the grid is able to do and how the utilities have been set up and then how we're adapting to this new EV space. But to think about this, we also need to understand demand charges. So when demand peaks, CPOs, charge point operators can actually be penalized. And if it happens enough times, the utilities can say, listen, you hit the demand peak too many times. We're going to put you on a higher rate for the rest of the year or something, which of course affects the costs incurred by the charge point provider and then probably trickles down to the EV driver that's showing up to any station if the whole company is incurring costs from certain stations and certain chargers where there um, is just more costs due to peak demand pricing. So EVgo has stressed that and they do have a really great market development and public policy team that works really hard with uh, state and federal level governments and uh, organizations to help build the best, not only public policy, but uh, plans for infrastructure that is surrounded by EVs. Because EVgo does have uh, you know, a lot of experience in the public charging network. So they do intervene, they study these policies and 
they really try to help to create, you know, it's in their best interest to create a very great offering for their customers. So they work with existing entities to do that as well. So they have suggested some of these solutions to work with utilities and regulators to design new solutions so that it's not such a hindrance, these demand uh, charges for EV charging operators to install these sites. So a new problem and a new solution. Of course, I love when this innovation point comes in where there's it has to be collaboration to find a solution to a problem that hasn't existed before. So EVgo has noted that they could work with utilities and regulators to create commercial EV rates. So a whole new rate for commercial EV charging suppliers. And that's interesting because I wonder, and let me know what you think in the comments. This doesn't seem like it would be quite easily scaled. I mean, even the pricing per state and maybe even per region in the state, if we're looking at California, it changes depending on a lot of things. So just to think about rates um, for commercial EV providers in terms of their rates given to them by the utilities, it does seem like this will have to be on a smaller scale unless it was something federal, but it doesn't really seem like that would equate across the states. So let me know if you agree or not. It seems like that would be really hard to scale that nationwide. Another option though is low load factor rates. So a load factor is essentially the ratio of total energy used in the billing period divided by the possible total energy used within the period if used at the peak demand during the entire period. So a low load factor rate means that the customer's load includes a large load. So if we're looking at the curve, a large load that spikes, but only for a short amount of time when the max demand, this is also like when the max demand exceeds is much higher than the average demand during that time, which we see a lot in EV charging, which is we have these spikes, right? If you look at the curve, if you're charging your EV, it takes a lot of energy at one time that charger is pulling a lot of energy from the grid at one time, and but it, it levels off and it drops back down. But still, those spikes are very, um, they can have pretty big consequences uh, at a large scale. So perhaps finding some solution with low load factors where it looks at more of those averages. But I do think, of course, this will take more work between the uh, the two industries to figure out solutions that would work. But it's important for us to consider as EV drivers because it does affect the pricing, of course, and the ability for these service providers to expand their footprint and get more chargers out there for us. So in the meantime, um, I did want to mention that while we're talking about educating ourselves on what matters and why this would matter to us, uh, I do want to point out that there are some cool resources that I found online. And I would love for you to go through and see if your state or a state that you care about um, had changes to the electricity rates in the past year. Uh, so it's per kilowatt hour prices by state. This is this cool um, chart from Electric Choice, and it shows every state and then the change from September of 2022 to September of 2023. So I was going through and there's a pretty good distribution of up and down. So basically negative and positive delta changes from last year's to this year's pricing. And I did see some pretty hefty ones. So we're seeing some that are hovering around 0%. But like Rhode Island, for instance, saw it a, a positive delta of 11%. So it went from 16.665 cents last year to 18.64. So that's pretty... um. Pretty, pretty big of a change. Uh, I wonder if this were gas prices, if more people would be a little bit, you know, aghast at these. But there's also, what did I see? I think, it, yeah, Massachusetts here, 13% Delta. It went from 18 to 21 cents. 
So check in there. Let me know what you see. If you're like, oh, that makes sense while my bill is cheaper, or maybe it's more expensive, or maybe you just had no idea. But I think it's really cool, again, to connect ourselves (laughs) to the grid, uh, pun not intended. And then also I wanted to show this uh, interactive map here. So this is from solar.com and it shows the price per kilowatt hour in your state as of July, 2023. So not only could you see the change uh, over the last year, but you can see as of July um, and just also kind of get a picture of how much this differs state to state. We've got California where the price per kilowatt hour is nearing um, 30 cents versus Louisiana down here, very light colored, closer to 11 cents and just how it changes state to state. So again, it it really emphasizes that each state has its own circumstance going on and stresses the challenges that charge point providers like EVgo have when they really have to tackle this state to state. And there's not some blanket answer, but they do, they have found per pricing, per kilowatt hour pricing, and have implemented that where possible, which again, I do think is fair. But let me know if you have a different point of view. And, and in fact, like maybe those who um, don't or who think per minute pricing, you know, there could be some drawbacks to per kilowatt hour pricing. Like maybe it's more attractive to site owners because folks, if they're sitting around for longer, you're getting more revenue coming through. Or maybe those who charge faster, you know, you're spending less time at the chargers, then you would rather be charged per minute because that's cheaper for you. But then you also probably have a more expensive EV. So maybe you can afford it. That's just some of the arguments that I've seen online. And I would love to post a conversation in the comments too, to see what you all think. Additionally, what we need to consider is that while EVgo is able to price their chargers across the U.S., they do actually have um, other things that we should consider, and that is their Extend program. And where EVgo does not own, but instead installs, operates, and maintains some stations, but site hosts actually own. So you probably have heard of EVgo's partnership with GM and Pilot Flying J company. So Pilot Flying J owns both Pilot and Flying J travel centers. And so they have a joint partnership to install 2000 DC fast charging stations at up to 500 Pilot Flying J travel centers across the US. I love this initiative. On my EV road trips, when I've um, had to use EA, a lot of the times they were at Walmarts that were miles off of the highway when I was doing long road trips. So I would not only have to like get quite off the highway, but then go to a Walmart parking lot which technically, you know, Walmart might have everything you need in there, but it's not quite like a travel center where it's right off the highway, has a full, like a bunch of convenient amenities, even just from picnic tables outside to dog parts, parks to things like that. It's just a different and more uh, parallel to the way that we do road trips now, which is right off the highway, convenient traffic center stops. And so I think this is an amazing partnership from EVgo and Pilot Flying J, and I'm really excited to go to one of these stations. And there is one actually. So uh, if we go to PlugShare, you can see that there is um, a Pilot Flying J Travel Center EVgo station live in Knoxville, Tennessee. And this makes sense because Pilot Flying J is headquartered there. So if you go on PlugShare, you can actually see it's not called like a Pilot Flying J um, charger. It's called EVgo charger. So keep that in mind. And it's got the 350 kilowatt chargers and it's noted as a rest And it has 10 out of 10 on PlugShare. So this is a pretty popular site, which I love to see. And I just want to show you some photos. If you're tuning in on YouTube, it has a giant awning, just like you would see at a gas station. We have the Flying J and the Ultium. That's that GM branding. 
and there are lights, um, you're, you're hiding from not only the sun, but also if there's any inclement weather, you're under these big awnings and it, there's trash cans and it just way more reflects those travel stops that we're used to on road trips, which I really do appreciate. And I think needs to happen if we're going to try to draw any sort of comparison to the way that we do road trips now. It's pull through parking, which is important if you're pulling a trailer. It's really hard to charge an EV if you have a trailer at you know usual stations. And then, um, yeah, folks were checking in as recent as yesterday. They and they like it. So a roof, simultaneous charging per station, trash cans. This is easily the best charging station I have ever used. Hopefully, this is how all are going forward. So that was a comment from someone who had recently used this site. So pretty cool. And I was looking for the pricing here because again. The pricing will be set by Pilot and or Flying J. So if you have a problem with the pricing, don't take it up with EVgo. They are operating and maintaining and installing these chargers, but they are not setting the price. So when I went on the EVgo app, which I can't show you right now because my webcam is my phone, but it was 51 cents per kilowatt hour. What do you think about that? Are you in California? You might be more used to that. Are you in Tennessee? You might not be as used to that as possible. In general, it does seem like EV... Charging pricing, the cost of electricity is trending upwards. And the argument may be that, you know, it takes less to fill up my EV than it does to gas up your car is going to more quickly and quickly fade away, which I don't think is necessarily a, a huge detriment to convincing folks or, you know, pulling folks over to the EV side of things to owning an EV, but it is something to consider. And how much is it going to go up? So I'm interested in how kilowatt hour pricing would affect that. Um, and in general, how the price of electricity will affect that. I do wonder how advancements in things like the smart grid technology will play in here and um, maybe dynamic pricing models. And let me know if you visited um, EVgo lately and it switched over from per minute to per kilowatt hour pricing. If you've been to this Pilot Flying J, that would be really cool too. And in general, what you think this kind of change, you know, across a, a network in the states where possible to change pricing plans will affect things. Do you think it's a good move? Do you think that it will, you know, cause some headaches here and there? I'd love to know in the comments below. And thank you again for tuning in to the Out of Spec podcast. Again, I'm Francie. I really appreciate y'all watching and leaving your comments. I love the topic suggestions and um, the conversations that you all bring to the story. So thanks for tuning in. I will see you next time on the Out of Spec podcast. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.